Please listen carefully. Hey folks, Chris Pluntis here. The podcast today is actually the audio from a recording of our nutrition info session back in the fall. We had a nutrition challenge and right before that challenge we had an info session. And so I took that audio and um, decided to put it out there because with the new year, lots of folks are looking to get back on track with their nutrition And if they're not quite sure where to start, this is a good primer for uh, paleo and zone. And we talk a little bit about macro counting and and how they're similar in nature to things like zone. We are, as a gym, going to start the Whole Life Challenge uh, on January 20th. This is an online challenge that anybody can participate in around the world. And so you don't have to be a member of Cross Akana to join in. If you want to be a member of our team, though, to be accountable and uh, to have to be part of a group, you can go to our website, CrossFitKana, K-A-N-N-A, dot com. That's CrossFitKana dot com, and at the top of the page uh, in the menu section, there's a link to Whole Life Challenge, uh, and it leads directly to Team CrossFitKana. Um, so, like I said, anybody can join from anywhere around the world. And if you're looking for a team to be with, uh, you can go ahead and join our team. Uh, f- please feel free to. The challenge will basically focus uh, for six weeks on seven daily habits. Uh, and the website can explain more, but it's a great way to stay accountable and to be mindful of your daily habits and uh, how you can try to improve ones that you need to improve and stick with ones that you um, feel pretty good about. So go check it out, wholelifechallenge.com, or just follow the link on our website, crossatcana.com, and enjoy the episode. Cool. All right, so um, some of you guys probably saw the social media pictures that I was putting out just to show you kind of my before and after pictures. So this was um, 2003-ish, very standard college diet of lots of pizza, Pasta, the all-you-can-eat, you know, um, bars at at the food court, and uh, I got into CrossFit uh, because I was just looking for something to do to work out. I ended up watching um, the movie Three Hundred, right, and then seeing the documentary about how they got into shape, and realized that that was through CrossFit style uh, methodologies. So that's how I got into it. So similar to Mike, and probably similar to a lot of you, I just wanted to be jacked. And just like look ripped, like the three guys in 300. So um, I started work doing the workouts, but um, I also was reading a lot about the nutrition that a lot of CrossFit people will follow. And at the time, the two big ones were Paleo and Zone, and we'll talk about both of those today. Um, and it really, like, I couldn't wrap my brain around people who were not eating pasta and bread, and I just I didn't understand um, how these people were functioning, like because it was such a normal part of my life, right? Um, but as I got into it, I kind of geeked out on the science of it and the nutrition of it, and then obviously with coaching, would see people who would just dramatically change their lives. And so we say that abs are made in the gym, but they are revealed in the kitchen, 
meaning you can come in here and do these really tough workouts, but how you look and how you look will change a little bit because of those workouts, but primarily it's because or due to what you're eating or not eating um, in terms of how you look, your body composition, right? And so that we're going to talk about um, some best practices today, but these are not going to be, this is not black and white, right? And talking about food is a lot like talking about religion or politics. It's very personal, right? You eat every day. It's something you've done for your whole life. And so if you have these habits ingrained in you, um, we're not going to say that they're bad or, or good. It's just some are probably better for your health versus not as good, right? And depending on your situation, something that might be good for Tina might not be good for Melissa, might be gray area for Jill, right? So there's lots of different exceptions um, for you as a person. And so that we say um, N equals one. So if you realize that eating tomatoes, which are nightshades, is not good for you because it makes you feel crummy, then don't eat tomatoes. But for a lot of people out there, they can eat tomatoes. So go ahead and eat them, right? Um, that's just an example of something that where N equals one. You, only you matter to you. Um, you can read all these books. You can, you know, take in everything I say. But if you realize for yourself that actually this works better or that doesn't work, then go with that, right? Um, so this is not dogma. It's just uh, some suggestions in terms of what we see. So... This is the uh, theoretic, oh, and then in terms of questions, uh, feel free to ask questions. Um, we'll have time at the end to kind of open it up a little more, but if you have a, a pressing question in the moment, just go ahead and ask it, all right? So um, this is the theoretical hierarchy of an athlete, all right? At the top of it is sport. So this is if you play soccer, if you play baseball, if you compete in CrossFit, that's considered sport, all right? So it's very specific. Below that, as a found, and as we go down, obviously we're working down more towards the foundation. So then we have weightlifting, so strength training, barbell stuff, dumbbell, kettlebell, strength training, right? Then we have gymnastics, moving your body through space, being able to uh, do pull-ups, or even things like uh, push-ups would be considered gymnastics, right? How do you move your body through space? Then we have metabolic conditioning, or what we call metcons, right? You guys have heard of this. Um, can you go do something uh, quickly? Can you push this thing over to there rather quickly, right, using your lungs? So that cardio that we've always heard about, that's metabolic conditioning, all right? And then as a base, we have nutrition, all right? Because if you really wanted to just be healthy, just someone came in here and, like, all they cared about was just living a healthy life, I would actually argue that, you could focus 80% of your, of your energy on nutrition only and get pretty good bang for your buck. So I like CrossFit. I like you guys coming in. Um, I like working out. But arguably, if someone comes in and their nutrition is crap, then it kind of, it's not for naught per se, but this is a huge piece of it. And it's, in fact, the foundation. All right? Yeah, so a lot of people actually will go with, they'll actually do sleep slash nutrition. Yeah, sleep matters a lot. We could do a whole hour just on sleep and sleep hygiene. Um, yeah, because that, 
does a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, when I was um, when I was growing up as a teenager, I had a lot of acne, and um, through college I had it, and I would also get really sleepy after eating lunch. So like I would be in college in grad school, and I would just be I, I wouldn't I don't think I ever fell asleep, but I was pretty darn close to falling asleep in afternoon classes, like the one o'clock, two o'clock classes. And I just thought that was normal, right? I thought it was normal to have acne, and I thought it was normal to just be sleepy after lunch. But as I was changing my nutrition over to more, eating more whole foods, taking away grains, uh, things like pasta and bread, um, and also dairy, my acne went away, and I didn't feel sleepy after lunch. So, um, you know, as much as someone probably could, could say, well, that's just because you got older and like you just got used to it, you grew out of the acne and whatever. Um, I know for a fact that it was because I got rid of those things. So we'll talk about kind of why that is um, actually now. So when, when we're thinking about nutrition, one of the big things that we want to talk about is blood sugar, right? And this is where Tom is not going to be happy with me. But the average body at rest, like a fasting blood glucose level, has about five grams of sugar in it, which is about a teaspoon. All right? So that's about a teaspoon. That is a teaspoon, actually. I measured it out last night. Um, a Mountain Dew, which I actually don't have Mountain Dew because I don't drink it, but a Mountain Dew bottle, 20-ounce bottle, which is slightly bigger than this, has 77 grams of sugar in it. Right? So 17 times the... Uh, regular amount of a fasting blood glucose level. So you can pass that, you can take a look at that and see. I measured it out last night. It's exactly 77 grams. Um, and, how do we, and how do we get that, that number, that five uh, grams of, of sugar in the blood? Well, we can go off actually um, the diabetic association norms. So if we say 100 milligrams per deciliter is the borderline of right before pre-diabetic, pre-diabetes. And we do the math, right? We multiply basically by 50 because there are five liters of blood in the body and deciliter, we want to get up to liters, so we multiply by 50. So we get 5,000 milligrams, which is equal to five grams, all right? So quick math, but basically that's where we're getting that from, all right? The difference between Normal blood sugar, or what would they consider safe blood sugar, and diabetic is about an eighth of a teaspoon. That's the difference at a fasting blood glucose level. All right? So obviously when we drink something or we eat something, um, carbohydrates will be broken down into sugar. We'll talk about protein, fats, and carbohydrates later. But, um, and so that will spike your blood sugar in the moment. Right? But as you guys have probably heard, there are simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. Right? So what would be like a complex carbohydrate? What do you guys think would be something that, something that would break down more slowly? Potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. What else? Fruit. fruit. Yeah. Some fruits, sure. A lot of fruits. Whole fruit, right? Right. Yeah. What else? What would be the opposite? What would be something that would break down really quickly? Cake. What's up? Cake. Cake. <laughs> Straight up sugar. Yeah, so if you literally eat sugar. Duck donuts. Yeah. As much as I do like duck donuts. 
Duck donuts break down very quickly, right? Um, we can, what's up? Pasta. Yeah, so we can also put things like pasta, bread, um, things like um, things like that in there. There's there's a lot of gray area in that, right? So some people will be like, well, what about whole grain? Um, but then we consider gluten and all that. So and we'll we'll talk about all that. But let's imagine you know you wake up, your blood sugar is at five grams, right? You have breakfast. Let's say it's standard American breakfast. What do we have for breakfast? Cereal. Maybe eggs, right? But what, what else do we have with the eggs? Toast, right? Bacon, sausage, bagel, right? So our blood sugar spikes. Boop. What does our body produce to handle the blood sugar? Insulin. Insulin, exactly. So that's the red line. So our insulin spikes, right? Then we settle down. Everything comes relatively back to normal. Then we have lunch. What's a standard American lunch? Sandwich. Sandwich, right? Sandwich, maybe some chips, Mountain Dew, right? Totally going to pick on you, Tom. Sorry. So our blood sugar spikes again. Boop. But our insulin levels have not gone down all the way. So they will rise accordingly and stay elevated. Then we can come down after lunch, and that's usually where that crash happens, where people feel sleepy. Anybody feel sleepy after lunch? Yeah? Then we have dinner. What's a standard American dinner? Meat and potatoes and whatever, like spaghetti, ziti, right? So our blood sugar spikes again and insulin spikes again, right? So you continue this pattern, and we're never able to get really down to base level. And what happens is things like type 2 diabetes, where our body cannot produce the insulin needed to handle blood sugar, okay? Diabe type 2 diabetes, uh, there, uh, when it started appearing in kids, um, was called, like, it was child onset diabetes, right? And that was never, that never happened. Um, there was a point where kids did not get diabetes. Um, and so we can strongly link a standard American diet where at the, with a traditional food pyramid. I'm not going to draw it. But where at the base, you see... 11 grains or 11 servings of grains per day, right? And then fruit, and then all the way at the top are fats and protein, right? Um, and we can pretty strongly make the case that that is the reason why so many people are sick, okay? There, uh, I worked, uh, I coached a, a gal at another gym who had, um, um, not UC, she had... Uh, Crohn's, and then also the skin condition, psoriasis. psoriasis. And she was on medication for her life. She was um, definitely mid-30s, probably late 30s. Uh, all her life, she was on medication. And it, and it was constantly flaring up, even though she was taking meds. The second that she started eating real foods, meaning she took away um, grains, uh, bread, pasta, sugar, extra sugar, um, and dairy, she went off her meds completely, like 35 years of medication, or, and then nothing, right? So, I've, and there's many other stories like that. That's probably the most dramatic that I've seen, but there is a lot of stories like that. So here's our recommendation. 
eat meat and veggies, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Right? We'll draw the line there. We'll talk about this. So, eat meat and veggies. Um, what are we talking about there? What kind of meat are we talking about? Lean meat. Like what? Like, give me an example. Chicken, fish. Steak works in there, sure. Yeah. It's not maybe as lean, but we'll talk about the leanness factor. Okay, veggies. Broccoli. Spinach. What? Dark green leafy vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. So have you guys ever had um, a steak with... Uh, broccoli or like chicken and broccoli right all right cool so you you know I the term paleo gets different turn gets different views from people like some people think it's like crazy because you explain it as um, eating like caveman that's not actually true we don't really know what cavemen ate like and it was probably a lot of bugs but um, so we, so we don't want to go that route but paleo in the terms of like eating real whole foods that grow and die that's what we're focused on. So you have probably eaten a paleo meal at some point. If you've ever had eggs and bacon for breakfast, that is pretty fit paleo, all right? Nuts and seeds. Give me examples of those. Walnuts, sunflower seeds, pistachio, almonds. Yeah, so what is not included in those? Minus peanuts. Peanuts, if it's called peanuts or has peanut butter in it, uh, peanuts are actually, what do we know them to be? Legumes, right? So basically they're a type of bean. Yep. Um, without getting too crazy geeky in it, basically these have some bad things in them that will punch little holes in your gut. Um, they're called some of the, those things are called things like phytates um, and saponins. We don't need to go into all that. But basically, if you're having, if you want to have a reset, if you want to have a, a detox, a you know whatever you want to call it, um, taking this out is de definite. Yeah. If you want to see how your body responds. Yeah. Now. With all this stuff that we're talking about, eventually this is going to lead up to explanation about an August challenge that we'll do, optional. But with all of that, the goal isn't necessarily to be 100% strict, clean eating for the rest of your life. Because the reality is that you're going to go to birthday parties and you're going to go to out with clients and everything. And so um, eventually we'll talk about this 80-20 rule where 80% of the time you want to be able to you know, eat fairly clean, especially because you want to perform well in the gym and feel good. But then 20% of the time, knowing that you'll run into these situations where it's kind of difficult just to, you know, you're not going to bring a Tupperware of food with your client, right? Like, I suppose some people do, but, you know, uh, culturally and socially, it's probably not the best thing to do. So you're just going to make do, right? But what we do want to try is try eating fairly clean for 30 days because that's the amount of time that your body typically needs to reset itself and then slowly reintroduce foods that we like. like. So if you really love peanut butter, after 30 days of taking it out, go ahead and try it and see what happens to your body. If your body doesn't do anything, right, then go ahead and have peanut butter. But for a lot of people, 
And what we see this with kids with peanut allergies, right? And 20 years ago, were there any peanut allergies, right? Like, no. So where did that, where did that come from? Um, so taking it out and seeing what happens, it can't hurt, right? All right, nuts and seeds. Uh, some fruit. So just quickly, what's some fruit? What's fruit? Peach, berries, apples, bananas, watermelon, right? Um, some fruit because depending on the fruit, there may be higher levels of fructose, which is the type of sugar. Um, l your body doesn't love high levels of fructose, hence why soda uh, has high fructose corn syrup in it, right? So in addition, so that's the, one of the types of sugar. Um, your, liver, your liver doesn't love high levels of that. Um, some people will end up with fatty liver disease, which is very common in um, alcoholics, right? Without actually drinking alcohol. And a lot of it can be attributed to high fructose corn syrup. All right? Because your liver processes that fructose. So that's why we say some fruit. Now, if it's berries, way better choice. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries. Berries are typically much better choices in terms of fruit. Things like bananas, apples, watermelon, less good. But if you're coming from a diet of all soda and potato chips and hoagies and pizza, and all of a sudden you're eating a bunch of fruit, well, good. That's a good thing, right? So it's all relative, right? It's all relative. Um, but yeah, if someone is coming to me and they're eating fairly clean, but I notice they're eating a lot of fruit, especially those, those three that I mentioned, and they're, you know, they want to get leaner, um, I would probably have them take out a bunch of that high, higher fructose content fruit, right? But that's an, that's an extreme example. Most people don't have to worry about that. Most people should be eating more fruit rather than bread products, potato chips, all those other snacks, all right? Little starch. So what's, what kind of starches are we talking about? What is starch? Things like potatoes. What are the two main ones? Bread and, or, yeah, potatoes and rice in terms of like more healthy than bread per se. But yeah, let's say we, let's say we were taking out bread, then it would be like potatoes and rice, right? Those are um, starchier. Um, the more active you are, the more you have earned your carbohydrates. So if you are someone, not that you are, because you're all here and you've been working out, and I don't imagine Annie does this, where she just sits on the couch and does nothing. Yeah, I know. That's a little different with three kids, right? Yes. But uh, someone who's super sedentary, and I'm sure you know people in your life that, that just kind of sit, watch TV, eat a lot, they do not need many, if at all, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates fuel performance. They fuel your muscles with this thing called glycogen, um, which is basically sugar for your muscles. And if you're not using it in high-intensity workouts or high-intensity things, then you don't need it. So for someone coming in, and all, again, they don't want to work out, but they want just some nutrition talk or some nutrition advice, um, now, I'm not a dietitian, right? So I'm not going to do specific meal plans for people, or, and this is not doctor advice. So, you know, consult with your doctor. Um, but I would say, or let, let's say it's their father, right? Let's say their dad is super sedentary, and they're like, oh, my God, Chris, like, 
what can I do? Ha I would have them try to get them as low carb as possible because they're not doing anything. They don't need it. Um, protein and fat can be the primary sources of fuel for them. And really, it's more the, the fat. Um, so you're doing hard charging workout. You come in, you do like a 20-minute workout. Then you've earned more carbohydrate. All right, we'll talk about the amount, the grams for that. Um, and then no sugar. So yes, there is sugar in fruit. There's sugar in some of these other things. But this means no added sugar. All right, so no cake, no even sugar in coffee, um, no good. I'm not trying to beat you up on that one, Tom. That was not directed to you. But no, flavored milk. Flavored milk, yeah, we'll talk about kind of all that stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about dairy, actually, for a minute. So dairy works, can work for some people. Some people can tolerate dairy. Um, personally, I cannot. Um, I, I get acne, my stomach doesn't feel great. I will have ice cream, but that's because I really like ice cream and I will, I'm willing to deal with the consequences of, of doing that. But, if I, but I know that if I drink milk, that I will get pimples and I will also just feel bloated and not feel good. Um, so that's just a consequence I deal with, right? And, I th and that's eventually what's gonna happen with you guys. You're gonna realize what, what's the trade-off of how do I feel versus what I want in the moment of eating this thing that looks really good, right? Um, so dairy, for a lot of people, isn't, isn't great. Um, depending on where it's coming from, right? Like grass-fed dairy tends to be a lot better for people than regular uh, milk uh, at the store. Uh, whole milk or milk with more fat tends to be better because of a lot of different reasons, but um, you know, if someone comes to me and they say, I really love milk, I can't give it up, what's the best choice? What can I have that would be the best choice compared to others? Goat milk is actually a really good choice. Um, for those who can't tolerate regular cow's milk, goat milk um, tends to be better. And then grass-fed whole milk. Um, and really, if you can find it, raw milk, which is unpasteurized. Um, I know that sounds really crazy for a lot of people, but it's, how, it's what people drank for a long time. And as long as the cow was raised really nice, who, that's in a pasture, that's eating grass, and you know, is treated humanely, you can do it. Um, I've had a lot of raw milk. I don't have it all the time, again, because just milk in general doesn't sit that well. But when I found raw milk at a farm in Harleysville, I think, um, I would go up, get it, and it was a lot better to me than the standard milk you would find in Giant. Okay. Yeah, I like whole milk. Yeah. Almond milk, if it's true almond milk, which is made by getting almonds and soaking them in water and getting cheesecloth and letting that come through, is fine. But the problem is that almond milk in the store, if you look at the label, is loaded with a ton of other stuff. Yeah. A lot of sugar, a lot of flavorings. So it says almond milk on the front, and you're like, all oh, right, almond milk. But the problem is that it has a ton of other crap in it. So, carnation, yeah, there's really no getting around that. Sorry, yeah. That, okay, so for a long time, actually, when I started CrossFit, chocolate milk was actually the recommended thing to drink after a workout because it had complete protein. Um, it had the carbo milk has carbohydrates in it, sugars, 
And so it was actually a recommended thing to drink after a workout. And we can, we're skipping around, but post-workout is actually the most ideal time to get in carbohydrates. So if you are um, trying to time your carbohydrates, and this is, timing your carbohydrates is very much down here compared to just focusing on quality of food. But if you were, immediately following a workout is when your muscles are screaming for glycogen, sugar, right? Because it, 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 you just used it in an intense workout. So I don't mean like come in if it's like one rep back squat day, that's not a glycolytic workout. Uh, glyco glycolytic workout is like a 10 to 20 minute AMRAP of you know, running, push-ups, pull-ups, like in, when you feel your muscles burning, right? That workout and you're all scattered on the ground after the, the workout is done because you're like, <gasps> right? That's a glycolytic workout. Um, that would be the time to have carbohydrates. So back to your question, chocolate milk after a workout, if you tolerate milk, that's not a bad choice per se, but there's plenty of better choices. Um, if someone's looking to lean out, you don't need anything after a workout because your body should use its own fat stores to fuel itself. So if someone's looking to lean out, meaning lose fat, and I don't want to say lose weight, right? Because I could lose weight by chopping my leg off right now, right? That's just weight. Weight is weight. Like I could put a lot of clothes on and I weigh more, right? If I let my hair grow out, I would weigh more. If I drink a uh, you know, half a gallon of water, I would weigh more. But what are we really talking about when we talk about losing weight? Losing fat, right? So after a workout, I don't recommend people who are looking to lose fat to have anything, really. Go home and have a regular meal. Because most people who are going to come in, they're going to come into the 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, and then go home and eat dinner and just have a complete, a, a real food dinner. And that's all you need. So the, the whole idea of having something right after a workout, needing something right after a workout, is a myth. You don't need anything. Um, if it's performance that you're chasing, that's different, right? But if your goal is to lean out, that's different than performance. Does that make sense? They go hand in hand to a point, but then after a point, they actually diverge. Right? Think about professional sports players, even CrossFit Games athletes. I bet that they don't have the ideal blood markers uh, for a normal human being. Right? They're outliers to begin with, athletically. But they're also putting a lot of abuse on their body. They are... Um, putting a lot of stress on their systems. And so they internally probably are actually pretty terrible, right? So performance and how you look while they can go hand in hand to a point uh, will actually kind of diverge at, after a point. Okay. Um, any questions about any of that so far? Keep intake to levels that support exercise but not body fat. So this is where we get into some of the recommendations for percentages, grams, and all that. So if you're more math focused or you're like, all right, cool, I know I should be eating real foods, but how much? Okay, here's a really simple, uh, like um, not a mnemonic, but uh, a, sh a shortcut. So make a fist, and that is a hunk of protein that you should eat. Open your palm, fill it with some nuts or seeds, 
eat that. The rest of your plate is made up of vegetables. That's it, right? Hunk of protein, some fat, veggies. And I would argue as many veggies as you want because nature is funny. Nature has built-in mechanisms for you not to overeat. So have you ever had a big steak and you're looking at this thing, you're like, I'm going to devour this. And then halfway through it, you're like, oh my God, I can't eat it anymore. Right? Ever go to like Foto Gachau, the Brazilian steakhouse, and it's all you can eat, meat. And you're like, I'm going to put this place out of business. And then only one and a half plates in, you're like, oh my God, I got to leave. Right? Why? Well, because there are things in that meat, fat is very satiating, protein itself is satiating, that send signals to your body to say, stop, you're good, you're full, right? There's this thing called leptin in your body that basically signals you to stop eating or to want to eat if you're hungry. So if you're eating real whole foods, those things will just tell you when to stop eating. To get the same amount of carbohydrate in, let's say, a hoagie roll, uh, but you were eating broccoli, you would need to eat like a bushel of broccoli, right? You would just need to eat buckets full of broccoli to get the same amount of carbohydrates. So, and that's not going to happen. So eat as many vegetables as you want, right? No, no holds bar. Um, but generally, yeah, fist of protein, fill your hands with some kind of like almonds or, you know, nuts and seeds, um, and the rest veggies, right? Just be reasonable. Now, if you want numbers, the zone, now here's the thing. The zone is old school CrossFit, right? New school CrossFit is if it fits your macros or WAG or flexible dieting. But it's all the same thing in that they're trying to give you a number of calories to eat per day and then give you a breakdown of protein, fat, and carbohydrates to eat, all right? And what ends up happening is that most of these programs, even though they're named differently, are around the same numbers, okay? So here are the numbers. We want about, about 40% carbohydrate, 30% protein, and 30% fat. About. That's going to change. How is that going to change? Well, if you're less active, you don't need as much carbohydrate, right? We established that. If you're more active, you might need more. The protein for most of us should be about one gram per pound of body weight. For women, 0.8, okay? So if I weigh 165 pounds, I should have about 165 grams of protein per day. Now, if I have 135 grams per day, am I going to shrivel up and die? No, because the body's funny in that it adjusts. So this or any recommendations you read out there in terms of like daily intake has to be this is crazy because your body just, it doesn't just at midnight suddenly begin again, right? It's like turning a page. So I argue that about a week worth of eating should follow different percentages and totals, right? So think of things in a week term. Because here's the other thing. If you tend, some people who diet, like go on like cleanses and stuff, they do like a three-day juice cleanse or whatever. What happens at the end of that cleanse? 
They have like 500 calories a day for three days. What happens on day four? They go to Dunk Donuts and they go to, they go get their Mountain Dews and they, you know, you know what I mean? Like they binge, right? And that's the stuff you never hear about. You hear about, you, get, you see the after photo after the three days of them, you know, leaning out because they've basically starved themselves. But we're focused more on sustainable practices here, all right? So about 40, 30, 30, that's what the zone says. The zone, all right, so the packets that you guys have, one of the packets is uh, from a CrossFit Journal article, and that breaks down the zone for you in more detail. I'm not gonna do it here because it's gonna take a lot of time, but this, uh, the zone, if it fits your macros, flexible dieting, those are all programs for the people who need something super specific to follow. Um, that where the food quality, you know, they're hanging onto their donuts or they're hanging onto their pasta, they can't let that go, but you need some framework for amounts. This is a good template to follow, all right? Um, and like I said, most other programs out there follow about this ratio. What the zone does is basically break down each meal into zoned blocks, and they basically say, okay, one block is a quarter of a bagel. So if you can't give up your bagels, you love bagels, you cannot give them up, right? Well, as a medium male, I will have a three or four block um, for carbohydrate, so that means I get three quarters of a bagel, which isn't a lot. So over time, I actually kind of trick myself into making better choices because I want more, I literally want to eat more food. Um, so if you're someone who, like I said, just can't wrap your brain around getting rid of your bread, your pasta, your carnation milk, um, then the zone might actually be a good choice for you because it'll make you realize how much carbohydrate is packed into things like bread, pasta, and all that. Um, and that, and that's, that's going to eventually be part of the challenge. So the challenge we'll have for August, I'll go into more detail later, but basically you'll have a choice. Either measure your food to following zone or some other uh, measurement program, or only focus on quality of food, but you can eat as much of it as you want, right? So either measure your food where the quality probably isn't the best, but at least you're measuring it and limiting yourself, or focus on real quality whole foods that grow and die, and then you could eat whatever you want whenever you want. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm kind of skipping ahead, but I wanted to say that because um, I am talking about both eating real whole foods, which I think is best for most people, but I also understand, because I was there, it blew my mind when I read that these high-level athletes were not eating bread and pasta, because I grew up thinking that to go out on a long run, you needed, or race, you needed to carb load the night before, right? And that's just not true. Because um, I know, I, and I learned it from personal experience, um, by running half marathons and a marathon, and then also from seeing it with, with members, with clients, okay? Um, so yeah, so I think this is generally the best for people, but this is a good way to measure and realize what's going on. And then you could actually combine the two, right? So you can measure your food and eat quality food. And so combining the zone and paleo would be zaleo. <laughs> right? So that's actually the best way to go. You can think of it this way. For health and wellness, just general health and wellness, quality matters the most. 
quality matters the most. For performance, for the gym, for you know, getting a faster Fran time. We haven't even done Fran yet, but when you do Fran, you'll understand. Measuring is a good thing to do because we measure our workouts, so shouldn't we measure our food? If you're focused on performance. If you don't care about performance, you, don't, you just want to work out and sweat and feel good, maybe you know, look better overall um, without needing to focus on super specifics, just do this part. All right? Okay. Um, questions? Post-workout. I talked about if you want to lean out, you don't really need anything. If you have anything, um, a real meal is best, but then um, carbohydrates. So that's the time where you can have like, like I used to literally, um, before working out, I would throw a sweet potato in the microwave and it would steam itself. And then after the workout was done, it was cool enough to eat. And I just ate that like an ice cream cone, right? That, that was my carbohydrate that I ate after a workout. But they also sell like um, dextrose in uh, supplement places. Um, that would be something to have if you're already pretty lean and you're looking for a little boost in performance. Um, eating, uh, yeah, like protein and uh, carbohydrate after a workout is not a bad idea if you're already as lean as you want to be. Okay. Um, I think that um, out of all of the choices out there, uh, like let's say you put honey in tea or like your coffee even, um, as a sweetener, those are going to be better because they are literally found in nature, but they're still sugar. So that doesn't give you license to eat a cup of honey, right? And they're also found in like a lot of paleo treats, and it's still sugar. So if you're looking, if you're already lean, uh, and you want a treat because you just have a sweet tooth, that's not a terrible choice because it's real stuff that's found in nature. I think it's better than stevia because stevia, if you look at the fructose content, is super packed with um, fructose. Um, so real honey, real maple syrup, better choices than others, but it's still borderline because it's sugar. Um, yeah, it's a good, uh, good question. In general, no. In general, I think it's a great way to not have, like, you know, Aunt Jemima's uh, pancakes or, like, I don't even, Duncan Hines, you know, uh, store-bought donuts that at fir first bite might be good, and then after that, it's just, like, crap. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, in general. But if, you know, you got to look at it, like, what's, what's the point of the paleo treat? Is it because you're hungry? Well, let's look at the other food that you're eating throughout the day. You're probably not eating enough. Is it because you have a sweet tooth? Well, is there a possibility of a binge somewhere where you just go crazy on duck donuts? Um, you know, like I would want to know why we want the paleo treat, and then from there we can kind of decide. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have anything for a workout, um, you know, just, just the fact, like, you're probably not going on a full meal because you're just 
going to be full. And so having like an apple, some fruit basically, and maybe some like nuts and seeds or like some deli meat. Actually, in that zone packet in the back, there's some snack ideas. So like some deli meat, um, some almonds, and an apple would be a good snack to have like at work before you come here or like in the car or something. So yeah, that's not bad. I don't think you necessarily have to have anything before a workout. Um, some people who need a boost will have some sort of caffeine or you know pre-workout, but again, that whole pre-workout thing depends on what's in it and all that. Yeah, I think some hardline paleo people will be like no protein whatsoever. But I think because protein powder, if it's good protein powder, if it's like from grass-fed cows, I mean the stuff that we sell is from grass-fed cows, it's going to be 90% protein, whey protein, um, and it's not concentrate, it's kind of, it's sorted through. That's why it's a little bit pricier because it's higher quality. I think that's fine. I think if you're someone who though has stuff going on that they're not quite sure, like in their stomach, or if, you know, I've heard, I've heard, you know, personally, and then also I've heard people who they always wake up with the sniffles. They're like, just, right? And then they take all sorts of dairy out, any kind, including protein powder, and then they go away, right? Um, Diddy, who's not here because she's putting Connor to bed, she used to get these major migraines, terrible, terrible migraines, like debilitating. But when we did a challenge uh, where we took all the grains and dairy and legumes out, and extra sugar. Literally, I'm not joking. They went away completely, right? And so, I, I mean, 20, I mean, we were late 20s at the time, right? So 20-something years of her life, she's getting migraines, and then all of a sudden, they just started to go away. I don't think that's a coincidence. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how badly do you want to figure something out about yourself? You know, I think if, it's, if you have something going on, take the protein powder out, and then reintroduce it and see what happens. But if you're pretty good to go and you're just kind of, you know, and you want to perform well in here and all that, I think having good quality protein powder is generally fine. Um, I don't care about the scale, and here's why. What happens when you come in and you start lifting weights? Yeah, you build muscle. And you probably know from a lot of different social media and all that, that muscle weighs more than fat in terms of volume, right? So I don't care about the scale. If you care about it and you want to get on a scale and see what your weight is, that's fine. But I don't care because I've seen people lean out crazy and not and lose like two pounds technically. But it's because they were building muscle because they're brand new to CrossFit and they're also leaning out. And then I've seen people who lose a lot of weight, but they're feeling really sluggish. They their blood work isn't great, and it's because they're basically starving themselves, right? So I don't care about weight because your weight is your weight, right? Like, cut your hair if you want to lose weight. So, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jay. Sorry, Jay. Yeah. At that point, we're going to have to shave your legs. Step one, um, in terms of all this, clean out all the crud food, right? If you know you're going to measure, I suppose that's okay, but ideally you're getting rid of all the other stuff. Um, just throw it out. Right? Donate it if you can, but just throw it out. Um, 
plenty of studies about behavior that show that we have, humans have terrible uh, willpower. And so if it's in the house, you're, it's going to get eaten. So just throw it out. All right. um, buy real food. The list that I gave you, one uh, is from Rob Wolf. The other is for the zone. They, you'll notice that they're very overlapping. right? The proteins are all going to be the same. The carbohydrates are going to be pretty similar. The zone blocks will have things like bagels uh, and bread, but they're going to call them unfavorable carbohydrate. All right. Um, and the fats are all going to be pretty much the same. Okay. For some of you guys who are dealing with health things, I, I strongly encourage you to focus on the quality piece and just take everything out that could possibly be an issue. Because I've seen uh, literally people get off medication. Like, how freeing is that, right? Like, you would do anything you could. If, you, if your kid is sick, you would do anything you could for your kid, right? So why not do that for yourself? Just try it for 30 days, right? If you really love cheese at the end of the 30 days, go back and eat your cheese. But chances are, your body's going to heal itself, and the effects of eating that cheese, you're going to feel more. And here's the analogy. So if I take a piece of sandpaper and I rub it on my forearm really hard, I'm going to bleed, right? It's going to hurt. And the next day, I, um, I don't do it, right? So it heals a little bit. But the day after that, I go back and I rub sandpaper on it, right? I'm not giving it time to heal. So let's say I give it 30 days to heal, right? Scabs over and all that. Scabs fall off. Okay, cool. Then it's my choice, right? Am I going to put the, the, the sandpaper on again or am I not because of the consequence, right? Does that make sense? So that is actually almost literally what's going on in terms of um, things like bread, pasta. So we didn't even talk about gluten, but man, uh, basically gluten and then also the legumes with the saponins and the, and the phytates punch little holes in your gut um, and cause a lot of other stuff. So you can say that you're not celiac, and I get that, but there's really good evidence uh, both anecdotal and studies are now coming out how gluten is probably not great for most people. Um, you can argue with me about it. That's cool. You can ask for studies. But I just think it's worth taking out for 30 days to see what happens and then reintroducing it. Yes? Okay, so... So as a vegetarian, right. you're probably going to have more things... Well, actually, I know you're not a true vegetarian. I know. Because what do we have, Lisa? Yeah, you have turkey sometimes, right? But I can't, I know I can't, my body can't eat that. I know I, my body won't be able to tolerate that all the time. Right, and I'm not going to hold you to a gram of protein per pound of body weight, right? Because that's just an enormous amount. So we're going to have um, things like really cooked, well-cooked beans, right? Legumes, not great. But as a vegetarian, and, you know, I'm not going to argue about the ethics or anything like that, but with vegetarian or whatever your reasons are, but we're going to make do with what you're, you're holding yourself to. So yeah, we're going, to have, we're going to concede on things like legumes, like beans. We're just going to cook them really, really well to kill those, the bad things in those. Does that make sense? Yeah. As long as they're well prepared, typically they're actually fine. But I also know people like black or white, yes or no. Am I allowed it or not? And for most people who aren't vegetarian, I'm going to say no. I have a question about the pumpkin pulse figuring out. 
Ah, alcohol, yes. The carbs and alcohol. Well, the carbs and fat. Uh, well, it depends. Depends. Um, what, are you, what are you wondering? Like how much it is per serving? Okay, that's a whole other conversation we'll have, just because it depends on the type of alcohol. Yeah. Like red wine is very different than um, tequila. Got it, yeah, okay. All right, so let's talk about alcohol real quick. Um, let's, let's just agree that beer, while tasty, is not great because it has the, the gluten in it and the calories and the sugars and all that, right? So if you can avoid anything, beer would be number one, okay? As you go down the list, just think about or look up things that um, have a lot of sugar content, right? That's Because that's primarily what's going to... Uh, like be the factor. So red wine, again, while tasty, has a good amount of sugar in it. I would rather have red wine than beer, though, because the beer also has the added factor of gluten. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, I'm not going to say that they're good for you, because alcohol really isn't necessary, but I know that it makes you feel good at, to a point. But things like gluten-free... Uh, alcohol, a.k.a. tequila, um, potato-based vodka, are probably going to be better than the other end of the spectrum with regular beer, right? Um, and then, like, so we, there's a thing called a NorCal margarita. Rob Wolf, who the, I gave you one of his packets, uh, has a thing called NorCal margarita that was very, became very popular with CrossFitters. It's uh, tequila, soda water, and lime. Tequila, soda water, and lime. So the tequila to make you feel good, um, but it's also um, not going to mess with your blood sugar as much as others. Um, soda water, because there's no calories to that, right? And then lime to give it a little taste, right? Um, so NorCal margarita. Bartenders around here don't really know what that is, though, so you just got to say... Tequila, soda, water, lime. Yeah. Like, that's a trade-off. So, if you do pale Yeah. Like, how do you really get enough? Like, Jay's already got shit. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I did pale for nine months and that's a lot. Yes. So, that probably means... I've done these things before, and I have to eat, like, 35 hundred calories Yeah. So, that probably means you need to eat more starchy carbs like potatoes, whether they're sweet potatoes or regular, okay? And it also means we're getting the area of things like rice, like white rice, okay? Simple starch, breaks down very quickly, not good for people looking to lean out. But for someone like Jay who needs a lot of calories, I'm perfectly fine with you having like a cup of rice with dinner because that's going to be a good amount of calories, and then uh, throw a bunch of olive oil on that, too, because that's going to be, right? Like, ever, anyone ever go backpacking? Like, one of the best backpacking meals, uh, they come with rice and a whole packet of olive oil. Like, that, that's just dense calories, right? So that's what I would do. Yeah. I did a 
uh, I did a mass gain at one point. I weighed 150 pounds and I wanted to get better at CrossFit lifting more weights. So I did a mass gain. I gained, I, over one summer, I ate uh, enough to gain 20 pounds. And then I leaned five pounds of that off so that I looked a little leaner. Um, but a lot of that, I was having a lot of rice and a lot of olive oil. So. And I, you know, again, I'm sensitive to a lot of stuff, but not to that. Like I never, I didn't break out or anything like that. I got fat, but I also got strong. Okay, what else, other questions? Did we miss any questions that you guys were wondering before? Did you have magic pill for six pack? You didn't answer that. I don't, I don't know if I said there was a magic pill for the six pack. <laughs> okay, so. It's not spray paint, it's makeup. It's makeup. You just go up against a fence. My answer for you, Deb, specifically for you, is that you should do less working out and you should sleep more. Because I think your thing, and I think this, and a lot of women, actually, your cortisol levels, your stress levels, are most likely elevated from working out a lot. So I think, actually, if you want to lean out, you should work out less. That's my answer for you, honestly. Because, um, because I know you, and I know how many times you come in. And uh, I don't know how you eat specifically, but I'm assuming it's relatively clean. And so if we have th those ducks in a row, chances are it's cortisol-related. Uh, well, actually, it almost is guaranteed, especially if it's anything related around here. It's usually cortisol-related. And that is all a stress hormone. Cortisol is good when you're running away from the bear because it's a stress hormone, right? Kicks in adrenaline and all that. But it's not good if your cortisol levels are elevated constantly. Um, and so that's where the body retains fat because it thinks it's in a, um, a flight state, right? Fight or flight, right? So it thinks it's in a flight state constantly. And so it needs to store fat because it's waiting for some emergency to happen where you need to use it. So number one, I would look at food and I would probably reduce carbohydrate a bit. Um, and then number two, um, figure, stress management. So sleep a lot, eight hours a day, uh, minimum, uh, if, you, if, you, if that's your goal. And then um, work out three or f four, four times a week, let's say, because I know you usually come six or seven, so four times a week. So, yeah, so that's my specific answer for you. That could also be the case, so changing the fruit over to uh, more vegetables, and that would also take care of reducing the carbohydrates a little bit. Um, I think that would probably also help. For the challenge, 80% or higher is good to go because the sugar content is going to be much lower. Yep. So Hershey bar, no good. But at the store, you can find really good, high-quality chocolate bars. Uh, they're going to be more expensive, but you're going to cherish them a lot more. And they're going to be a little bit bitter at first, especially if you're used to regular chocolate. But I'll tell you what, if you do this challenge and you go back to a Hershey bar, you're going to be disgusted because it's going to taste so bad. It's going to be so sweet, and it's just, you're going to notice the chemicals in it. It's like crazy. Your palate literally will change. It will change. 
Um, the other thing that, uh, that, you w that will happen is um, you will probably get headaches if you're used to eating bread, pasta, and all that. Right? Have you done that, Kelly? Have you done this? So you're going to, yeah, you're going to be miserable for a couple days, and then you're going to come out of it. But it's because your body's going through withdrawal. Um, the same receptors in the brain that um, drug addicts, that, that drugs like cocaine activate, um, the opioids, basically, bread and pasta and simple sugars also act upon. So you will literally go through withdrawal if you take away bread and pasta. But know that in a few days you will come out of it and feel so much better. Oatmeal, Oatmeal is one of those gray areas. So um, I would say for zoning, you're, you're okay. You're good to go, right? And again, because I know you and, you're, and everything going on, I would take it out and then reintroduce it 30 days to see if you want it. After those 30 days, uh, gluten-free, steel-cut oats are typically okay for most people. Um, but again, I know what's going on with you, and so I would definitely take it out for 30 days to see what happens. Yeah. Any other questions? Okay. So you got, well, you, if, if you do, you have till August 1st. And then no more questions after that. No, but seriously, um, yeah, I'll come out with more detail. I'll give you guys more details about the challenge um, and on how to sign up and all that. Um, but it's, you know, think of it not as a diet or a cleanse or a detox, even though we are taking away, potentially taking away things that are not great for us. But think of it more as an experiment of, okay, I'm going to take this away for 30 days. I'm going to let my, that arm heal from the sandpaper. And then if I really love ice cream, I'm going to eat that at that 30 days and just see what it does to me, right? I used to, I mean, I was in college. I drank beer, right? I wouldn't feel great, but I definitely, what happened was the more I took it out for a longer period of time, the more the effects I have on it, right? So if I have beer now, even just one beer, my lymph nodes will swell up. Like I'll wake up like this. Um, like my jaws will hurt from opening them. Just one beer. Um, and I'll also get acne, and my stomach won't feel good. Um, and, but that didn't happen right away. Uh, it just took time for it, my gut to heal itself. So, um, okay, cool. Thank you guys for coming. Um, use those lists. Uh, we didn't talk about meal plans or recipes or anything, but the reason is because in those packets there's some ideas. Paleo Leap. Dot com is a really good resource, both for information and recipes. And then you got, you got, you got seen a lot of nodding heads. Paleo Leap is really good. And then Rob, anything by Rob Wolf, Whole30. Um, there's a bunch of resources I can email you guys. But uh, there's a ton out there. The internet's awesome. At the same time, it's terrible. Hey, folks. Thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFitKana, K-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks, and have a great day.